Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the Business Life and Coffee Show. The Business Life and Coffee Show is a virtual mentorship podcast for early stage entrepreneurs and busy professionals who care deeply about finding a healthy balance between work and the rest of our lives. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're a long time listener, welcome back. As you know, this show is brought to you by Jumpstart HR, which is a HR outsourcing provider for small businesses and startups. Also, our next sponsor is our Patreon page, which is your opportunity to contribute to the growth and success of the Business Life and Coffee Show. As you know, we recently debuted in 12 U.S. cities over terrestrial radio, and I couldn't be more thrilled about the future of the podcast, the future of the show, because this is really morphing beyond a podcast. It's not just available on podcast outlets. We're actually taking it to radio. We're taking it to video. Uh, there's just so many plans in the works for the Business Life and Coffee Show that we're probably even going to have to drop the name Business Life and Coffee Show soon. So it went from Business Life and Coffee Podcast to Business Life and Coffee Show to Business Life and Coffee. And if you're watching this segment, you probably recognize, or even if you're watching any aspect of the show today in one of the clips, you probably recognize that I'm wearing a shirt that says hashtag girl dad. And this is my way of, uh, again, honoring the legacy of Kobe Bryant, who was known to be a baller, but also a uh, Hall of Fame dad, in my opinion, for the time that he had here on earth uh, with spending time with his children, teaching his craft to the next generation of not just his children, but to others as well. So I wanted to just really pay my respects and uh, bring that Mamba mentality into my life. Uh, I'll take a picture of this in case you're listening on radio or if you're listening on podcast and you want to see what the heck it is. I'm talking about, matter of fact, let me go ahead live on air. I'm going to go and take a selfie of myself with my shirt so that you can see it on Instagram. And just make sure that you are following me. That's Joey V. Price on Instagram. All right, so let's get into Mama, I Made It. And this segment of Mama, I Made It is all about Harlem Capital. Harlem Capital was featured in TechCrunch last month. And the article says, diversity-focused VC fund Harlem Capital debuts with $40 million. So we're going to drop a link to this in the show notes. But I really wanted to shout out the Harlem Capital team. Uh, I had an opportunity to meet some of them at uh, South by Southwest a few years ago. And uh, what I can tell you is that these guys are really passionate about their cause, which is investing in people of color who start businesses, who launch businesses and are thriving and successful. So Harlem Capital has upgraded from Angel Syndicate to full-fledged venture capital fund, closing its debut effort on an oversubscribed $40.3 million. And the founder, one of the managing partners uh, of Harlem Capital, Henry Pierre Jacquez, says, we fundamentally believe we are a venture fund with impact, not an impact fund. The way we generate impact is to give women and minority entrepreneurs ownership. Now, with this being Black History Month and with there just being a focus in general of uh, women and persons of color 
starting more businesses and having more ownership when it comes to creating jobs and increasing the tax base and just creating opportunities for uh, wealth preservation. My hat goes off to Harlem Capital because they're really doing a phenomenal job with not only uh, actually investing in companies that are early stage or and looking for uh, additional resources to scale and grow, but they're modeling that you can be an African-American in the venture capital space and thrive. So again, my hat goes out to them and all that they're doing up in New York and across the country when it comes to not only investing in companies, but also being a role model in the VC space for people of color. So you can reach them on Instagram. I believe their Instagram handle is uh, Harlem Capital. I'm just going to try that right now to make sure that it is correct. Yep. Harlem Capital following them. They've got uh, almost 22,000 followers on Instagram. Make sure that you uh, go their way and give them a follow. So again, that's Harlem Capital, a VC firm on a mission to change the face of entrepreneurship by investing in 1,000 diverse founders over the next 20 years. Well, hey, my hat's off to you all. And if you will want to invest in Jumpstart HR, here's my pitch. So Jumpstart HR works with small businesses and startups to help grow their business. Now you're wondering why a company that is labeled an HR company will help grow your business, but there are a few ways that you can actually benefit and grow by having great HR. The first way that you can benefit is by figuring out uh, the right people to get on your team. I was having a conversation this morning with someone over coffee and I was talking about one of the clients that we worked with and they were trying to determine whether or not they had the right people on their team for the product that they were trying to produce. Now, this company, they don't produce the uh, Lamborghini of their industry and they don't produce the Toyota Prius of their industry. They're somewhere in between in that uh, Ford, uh, Lexus kind of mid-range category where they they aren't always on the cutting edge of uh, innovation but they consistently produce reliable work. And so with Jumpstart HR, what we did is we're, we're helping them evaluate their talent. Uh, do they need to have a, a, an abundance of senior professionals on their team to work in this space? Or can they benefit from being a more developmental organization where they're figuring out the lay of the land for their company and deciding, okay, we can have a ratio of three juniors to every senior, but that senior has to be solid when it comes to uh, training and identifying potential in people and raising them up to succeed. So that's one of the reasons why you can need HR in your business. Uh, the other one is really uh, by making sure that as the founder, you don't have to worry about HR. If you think about the time it takes to do HR on an ongoing basis, companies that we work with and that we have calls with on the phone, they say that it's taking them anywhere from 20 hours a month to 40 hours a month to handle HR. As an executive of a business, you want to be spending your time somewhere else. So that's why you should work with Jumpstart HR, Harlem Capital. That's why you should consider investing because this opportunity is everywhere and there are a lot of businesses that need HR support. 
And if you're one of the businesses that need HR support, why not visit us at jumpstart-hr.com for an opportunity for you to connect with us for a 15-minute consultation. That's jumpstart-hr.com for your free consultation. All right, next we're gonna transition into while you are working. And this week on While You Are Working, I want to turn my attention to uh, an article that was found in, uh, where did I find this article? Uh, this is in the uh, Mayo Clinic. And you're probably hearing on the news, maybe you don't pay attention to the news because it's kind of scary and depressing sometimes. But if you have been paying attention to the news, and if you haven't, um, there's something going around called the coronavirus and it's shutting down a lot of cities in uh, mainland China. And there are even cases reported here in the U.S. And really quickly, I don't want to necessarily go into all the details about what it is and what it isn't because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I, of course, there's Google. But really what I want to do is a public service announcement of how you can protect yourself from the coronavirus. And this is from the Mayo Clinic. Uh, org, And we'll post a link to this in the show notes. But the uh, World Health Organization and Center for Disease Controls recommend that you take the usual precautions to help prevent the spread of respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water or use an alcohol based hand sanitizer. Cover your mouth and nose with your elbow or tissue when you cough or sneeze. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth if your hands aren't clean. Avoid close contact with anyone who is sick. Clean surfaces you often touch, stay home from work, school, and public areas if you're sick. And also, in addition to the above, the World Health Organization represent, recommends these steps. Check with your doctor if you have a fever, cough, and difficulty breathing, and tell him or her about any recent travels. Avoid eating raw meat or animal organs. And last but not least, if you're visiting live markets in areas that have recently had novel corona cases, Avoid contact with live animals and surfaces that they may have touched. You guys, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, I've read articles that said that um, this is even a pandemic or could be a pandemic at this point, which means it's uh, on the international radar of um, needing to be addressed right away. So please take care of yourself. Wash your hands. Say your ABCs. If you've got children at home, definitely take care of them as well. Wipe down knobs, doorknobs, phone handles, toilets, anything you can think of. Just really take precautions because, again, this show is all about helping you have a healthy balance between work and the rest of our lives. And I want to make sure that you're good to go. So please, please, please check the link in the show notes for this article. And that is what we got for while you were working. And while you were working, so were we on the podcast. Each week, there's a team that works very, very hard to produce these shows. It's myself as the host and director of the show. Peja is the phenomenal editor and producer of the show. He gets it online and everywhere it needs to go. And uh, we have Isaiah, who is our graphic designer, and then we also have worked with a team now that helps distribute the show on a uh, one-hour format 
into 12 U.S. cities across the country. And so the, the show is growing and it's definitely um, a benefit for us to grow and help entrepreneurs have balance in life. But we want you to be a part of that, too. So consider visiting our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash BLC for ways that you can contribute to the show and ways that we can contribute to you. That's either through our private newsletter, private Slack, private Hangouts, and hey, there's even free merch involved. So go over to patreon.com slash BLC and find out how you can be a member of the Patreon page and help contribute to the growth of the show. All right, let's get into coffee shop Q&A. All right, welcome back to the show. Now it's time for coffee shop Q&A. And this is a segment where we dive right into mentorship. This is either a guest interview, a topic I've been thinking about lately and I want to share with you, or responding to your questions. Well, this week we have an excellent guest. It's the sales maven, Nikki Rausch, and she's a sales expert, a seasoned guru with decades of success behind her and a passion for the art of selling and its shows. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here as well. You're the sales maven. So how did you get that name? (laughs) Well, I have over 25 years of sales experience. And in addition to my sales experience, I'm also a master certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And if that is a new term to anybody listening or to you, it's really the study of communication. So I focus on the sales conversation specifically in my business and when I'm coaching. All right. So Nikki, you're speaking to several entrepreneurs here and people that are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. Why is the sales conversation uh, the most important part of the sales process? Well, it's the most important part because really that's how you actually take somebody from that kind of initial introduction to you or, you know, maybe they've gotten on your email list or you've reached out to them in some way. But it's through the conversation that you lead somebody up to the place where you actually exchange dollars and services. Now, if your business is one where, you know, you just have a website, people are going there and buying from you, like I'm not your coach for that. But most entrepreneurs are having some type of conversation with their clients. And that's the piece that I specialize on. All right. And so not only do you specialize in the conversation, but you've branded a particular approach, which is relationship selling. And you mm-hmm. you actually have a book on relationship selling. Is, is that correct? That is correct. And it's called The Selling Staircase, Mastering the Art of Relationship Selling. And I teach my signature five-step approach that really leads people up the steps to, again, where you start from that first introduction to get to the place where you actually close the business and exchange dollars for services or product. Okay. So, Nikki, you mentioned sales as a staircase, and I'm pretty intrigued by that because... Well, there's that whole saying that a lot of times people want to take the escalator when they have to take the steps. Uh, <laughs> but you you have found that this sales uh, staircase is um, pretty effective. Could you talk a little bit about that sales staircase that you have and maybe one or two points that that people should take away from the whole staircase in general? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So with the selling staircase, 
The idea is that it's your job to move a client from step to step to step. And you really are the person who has to take the lead in the conversation. And so the five steps in the selling staircase, the first step is the introduction step. That's where you're meeting somebody for the first time, or maybe you're introducing the concept of what you offer to somebody for the first time. And this could be somebody you've known for years. So in step one, you want to make sure that you are coming across credible that you are establishing that know, like, and trust factor. And then that leads to step two, which is creating curiosity. And this is probably the most missed step in the selling staircase. Oftentimes people aren't really sure how to create curiosity about their business. And if you're not able to create curiosity, oftentimes people don't want to know more. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's what you do. Who else can I talk to if you're in a networking event or if you're even on the phone with them, they're like, yeah, yeah, not interested, right? So we've got to create some curiosity. And just one tip that I give around creating curiosity just really quickly, I always say creating curiosity is the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. <laughs> and in the sales process, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but you know, in the sales process, people who have what I call dog calling energy come across too kind of aggressive or too mm. like excited about something. And that kind of turns people off. Like if you want to get your dog's attention, of course, you're going to do something like, oh, come here, boy, come here. And dogs love that. Like that's really fun for them. But people do not. And so when you're really excited to tell somebody about all that you can help them with, they get like, mm, no, thank you. So instead, think about creating what I call cat calling energy or hear kitty kitty responses to standard questions because we want to draw people in. We want them to want to know more. We want them to ask us questions. So when you think about calling a cat, you do this little thing where you go, here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty, right? And that will draw your cat in. So think about when you are answering a question, for instance, like, how are you? Or what have you been up to lately? Or like, what do you do? You want to give enough of an answer for somebody to go, oh, tell me more about that. Like, for instance, if somebody were to ask me right now, like, oh, Nikki, you know, what have you been up to lately? I might say, oh, I'm super excited because next week it's going to be announced that my latest book is in, you know, 1100 boxes that just got sent out to people. So it'll be a surprise. So that would allow somebody to go like, oh, what's your book about? Or why would somebody put your book in a box? Right? So it allows for me to then start to talk a little bit about my business. And then for somebody to go, oh, so you're a sales coach. Oh, you help people with, with the sales conversation. You know, I wonder if I could use some help with the sales conversation. And that leads us very quickly to step three in the selling staircase, which is the discovery step. And this is where it's your job to understand the client's need or their problem. And I just listened to one of your podcast episodes and you were talking about the four letter word that everybody needs to know, which is the need, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so in the discovery, your job is to really uncover that need and do it in a way that you ask questions that lead people to hiring you. So what I mean by that is, the questions should be about things that you do. And so when you're asking your discovery questions, don't waste time and energy asking questions that really don't have anything to do with your offering. 
Now, it's one thing to like, yes, you want to get to know somebody and you want to establish rapport, but sometimes people waste discovery time by like, tell me your biggest dream and tell me where you want to be in 20 years and who do you want there with you? And you don't yeah. need to know that. At least I don't need to know that to earn somebody's business, right? So make sure you're using that time strategically and asking the right questions that lead people to hiring you. So for instance, like I only ask questions in my discovery that are around people's sales. Like, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business? Yes or no? If the answer is no, there's something I can help you with, right? And then once you've done a great discovery and you understand, yes, I absolutely have something that will serve this person in some way, then we lead to step four, which is the proposal. And the proposal, it, that's when it's your job to clearly lay out the best option for that client. So in the proposal step, I always say, make sure you recommend what you know the client needs, not what you think they can afford. And there is a difference. So unless they flat out told you like, here's my budget or here's what I'm willing to spend, you need to make sure that you're recommending the best solution that's going to meet their problem or need. And it isn't based on price. That's interesting because sometimes one of the mistakes that I see early stage entrepreneurs make is they'll try to assume that they can either upsell or add more dollars to a proposal because they think that the customer can afford it. But what you're saying is, Always try to find the right fit for the customer, whether that's your most expensive or your least expensive. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, and you, it's okay to recommend a range of products or services. Like if if maybe you want to give them kind of a you know small, medium, large type option. If you're going to do that, I will say make sure you always start with the most expensive option first when you're laying out the proposal and then work your way down. That's known as top-down selling. And this is because as humans, we don't like to have things taken away from us. <laughs> so it actually makes sense to start at the top and work your way down because if you start at the bottom and try to work your way up, it does sound like you're trying to upsell people. It does sound like you're trying to just add dollars onto their, onto their bill, which can be a turnoff. Now, with that said, stay in integrity. And just because you have a $100,000 option in your, you know, in your offering, if they're a client that really would be served by your $20,000 option, don't recommend the $100,000 option because then you are out of integrity. So keep with what's the best solution for them. And it's okay to, you know, t talk about like that kind of that, the everything that you can have as long as it it's not just like overkill or it's not something that's just completely outside of what's going to serve this client. Right. And then, and so then once you've laid out your proposal, you're on to step five, which is the close. And the close means that you actually have to get the language out of your mouth. And this is where a lot of times salespeople fall down is they lay out a proposal and then they're like, okay, so, you know, let me know what you want to do. It's like, nope. Mm -mm. When you lay out a proposal, you need to issue closed language and closed language. An example of that might be, so based on these options, which is the best fit for you right now? That's closed language. And you got to ask it. And then when you ask it, you got to zip it afterwards. Like you're not allowed to speak <laughs> until the client speaks next. Like give them time to process your proposal Give them time to like think about how does this relate to me and then let them respond to whatever they're going to say next. 
So those are the five steps. Sorry, go ahead, Joey. No, I was, I was going to say I've seen you talk about this where you, you basically need to close your lips and count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Why is that so important? What can happen if you uh, speak after you've essentially laid out the request for sale? Well, what can happen? Well, one, one, I think there's a term for that, which is called selling past the close. Sometimes as salespeople, we get nervous and we're like, so here's my proposal, you know, based on this, which do you prefer? And here's what I would recommend in the book. And then we just keep talking. So that's called selling past the close. And what can happen is it doesn't allow for the client to take that time to process and make a decision. And so you can actually talk people out of buying you from you, or you can cause them to go into overwhelm. And when a client goes into overwhelm, they often won't make a decision or they'll revert back to the safest decision, which is I'll just maintain status quo. So my answer is no. Yeah. Right. And that's not what we want. We want to, I mean, the reason most of us do what we do is we want to be of service. We want to help people get, you know, whatever it is that's going to make their life or their business better. And so it really is our job to allow for that silence to happen and just wait. And it can feel painful, but it's okay. And for the client, it can feel like, oh, you're being really respectful and you're giving me time to process this information. That's really good. That's really good. So, Nikki, you're an author, uh, you're a speaker, you you work one-on-one, and you do group coaching. Um, I have to imagine that one of the questions that you get from time to time, and I know we're we're coming to a close here, so I want to be honor, uh, honoring of your time, but I'm sure you get a question of, how do I charge what I'm worth? What would be your response? What's a story? What's Is there a client that you've worked with to help them get to that point of charging what they're worth? Uh, what tips can you share in that uh, as we as we bring this to a close? Okay, so one thing I will say about charging your worth is, and I know this to be true because this has happened in my own business, that we you have to charge what is that what is going to make sense for your business for you to be able to sustain your business grow your business and do it in a way that it's going to allow you to still be in business in a year or in two years and so when you don't charge with what you're worth and you're you go with these prices that are way too low what happens is the client rarely will value your work like I, I have found personally, and I found this with many of my clients too, and they're always surprised when they start raising their prices. Mm. But I always say the more you charge within reason, but the, the higher my prices go, the more uh, results my clients get because they have more skin in the game. And they're like, well, I'm not going to just take this advice that Nikki gave me and be like, oh yeah, whatever. It's like, no, I paid her good money. I'm going to implement what she taught me. Oh yeah. And now I'm getting results you know, from it. And so being able to have the ability to put out pricing that makes sense for your business and makes sense for your expertise, because that's the other thing. A lot of times as entrepreneurs, we discount all of our expertise that we show up with. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I've been in sales for 25 years. I know a lot about sales conversations. Plus I went through master certification and neuro-linguistic programming. That was a huge investment of time and money on my part to go through. So I have to show up from a place of like, I really value these skills 
And I want my clients to value them too. So be willing to bump your prices up. And and I'll give even a tip of how to do this. And this was a, a tip a coach gave me years ago is she said, if you know you're underpriced, but you're struggling to like raise that price, she's like, then I want you to book five clients at whatever your standard rate is right now. And as soon as you book five clients at that rate, your rate goes up. And then you book five more and then your rate goes up. And I actually recommend this with my clients too. Sometimes I say three because <laughs> sometimes we don't need to book five, right? Yeah. So you book three of these clients and then bump your price a little bit. And it should, you're, really your pricing should be just slightly outside of your comfort zone. Like it should feel like I got some, you know, for me, when people pay me money, I want I want them to pay me enough money that I feel pressure to deliver. Like, ooh, I better be really good. Right. And then I perform at a higher level for them. Right, right. Well, Nikki Roush, it's been a pleasure to speak with you here with Coffee Shop Q&A. Nikki's the sales maven. You can reach out to her at yoursalesmaven.com. Nikki, do you have any parting words? I, I know you want to offer something to our listeners. What do you have to say in these final few moments? Well, here's what I will always say is the way that you move somebody through the selling staircase is that you issue invitations every step of the way. So that means you invite people to the next step. And really, when I use the word invite, I can also easily replace it with ask. So make sure you're asking your clients and inviting them to these next steps and inviting them or asking them for the sale. That is so crucial. So closing that that sale is is so important in order for you to prosper and for them to get what it is that they need or want. So I do have an ebook that is a gift that I'd love to give your audience and you can download it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash BLC. That's so it. super easy to get BLC, yoursalesmaven.com forward slash BLC. Thank you so much, Nikki. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for stopping by the Business Life and Coffee Show. Thank you.